0: Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Chandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome. I'm Chris Chandro, the pastor of Compass. Really, I'm so glad that you joined me today. It's my privilege to have you. And before we begin today, I want to run three scenarios by you, okay? So I want you to imagine yourself in these positions. So first, it's your little girl's seventh birthday, and you're having a big party at your house for her. You've invited all of her friends from school, and your house is just full of kids. It's cake time and everybody's singing the birthday song. But as it ends, another kid jumps in and blows out all of the candles before your daughter can. And she looks at you as tears start forming in her precious little eyes because she didn't get to make a wish and blow out her own birthday candles. So that's scenario one. Okay, second. You're in college, your professor, he's assigned a group project and he's split everyone into teams. Your team divides all of the work evenly, but there's one guy on your team who just doesn't do anything. He doesn't even respond to messages. So you and the rest of your team end up doing his part of the project to turn it in. And when the grades come in, you look to find that everyone on your team got an A including the guy who didn't do any of the work. Okay, now final scenario. You're in a long line at Starbucks. You've been standing in this line for 15 minutes and you're almost up to the front when the person right in front of you sees a friend of theirs at the back of the line and they call their friend up to the front to order with them. And when that friend gets up there, they pull out a long list of drinks and start ordering for their whole office, like 20 drinks. By the time your drink is ready, it's been another 15 minutes of standing around and waiting. Okay, now, having heard these three scenarios and imagined them happening to you, how do you feel right now? Annoyed? Angry? You should. Everything that happened in these scenarios was wrong. Some kid took away your daughter's birthday wish? some jerk took credit for work that you did on a school project and then some lady cut the line that a bunch of people had been waiting for a long time what they all did was objectively wrong and the reason that we get so angry just thinking about these things is because we all have a sense of justice that there's right and wrong and if you do the wrong thing There should be a penalty, some sort of punishment for it. Now, these examples that I gave, honestly, they're just small things that most people could write off as not that big a deal or even just ignore totally. But what about the bigger things? What about when someone hurts a child or enslaves and traffics another human being? What about when someone kills another person in cold blood? We don't just look past those things. We're moved to address them because our sense of justice demands it. Because, And here's the thing, whatever your culture or religion or ideology, deep down in every human spirit, is a desire for justice and judgment, for bad people to be punished and for the world to be set right, to be made more right. It's the whole reason we like crime novels and shows like Law & Order, because we know at the end the bad guy is going to get caught and punished. Which is why today, as we continue to examine what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, we're going to ask this question. What does kingdom justice look like? So, again, we're continuing to work our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and we find in Matthew chapter 13 a section of Jesus' teaching where he uses stories and parables to explain the kingdom of God, to also explain what it looks like and how it functions in our lives. And it's here, in Matthew 13, that we get an idea of how justice and judgment work in God's kingdom. And so today we're going to start in Matthew 13, verse 24. It says that here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Continues. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Well, should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat into the barn. Now, Jesus is telling his stories to people who understood what he was talking about. He used illustrations and examples that people could grasp in his day. And so, speaking to an agricultural society, Jesus describes a farmer whose fields have been corrupted by an enemy who planted weeds in it. Now, this goes without saying, but weeds are not a good thing in crop fields. Weeds compete with the crop plants for essential things like like water and nutrients from the soil and light. And as a result, the more weeds you have, the less your crop yield is going to be. And because of that, it's important to remove weeds as soon as possible if you want to get a high yield from your crop. Now, this is something farmers have known for generations. I mean, this is cool, but look at how modern technology has even adapted to help farmers today. These robots identify each plant they hover over. They decide whether to fertilize or kill it. And then, using sub-centimeter precision, it shoots it with the necessary product. This allows it to use 95% less chemicals than traditional spraying techniques. One thing to understand about our robot and how it interacts with plants is that it'll actually remember every single plant. As the robot rolls over a field, high-res cameras scan every single plant and create a digital copy of the whole farm. This allows the robot to geolocate each plant. We're really farming at the centimeter level basis here, so this is allowing us to farm every plant individually. Every single plant? How many plants are in here? Probably 4 million. So if getting rid of weeds early is so important that farmers are using technology that can squirt herbicides onto weeds while they're teeny tiny, why did the farmer in Jesus' story tell his workers to let the weeds grow? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. It certainly didn't make sense to Jesus' disciples because they had to ask Jesus for an explanation later on. I mean, look at Matthew 13, verse 36. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house, and his disciples said, "'Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field.' And so Jesus replied, "'The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world.'" And the harvesters are the angels. So Jesus is making all of these like one-to-one connections from his story, right? But he continues. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, there's a lot that we could unpack here, from the devil and his angels to the end of the world and hell. And and we're going to look into some of these things as we continue on in this series talking about the kingdom. But today I want to focus on what I think is the central idea that Jesus is talking about justice, judgment, and how justice and judgment work in the kingdom of God. And I think there are three takeaways from this surprising story that Jesus tells that that I think can help us understand how radically different the kingdom of God is from the kingdoms of this world. And the first thing I want you to see is that in the kingdom, wheat and weeds are treated the same. When the farmer when he gathered his workers together, and when he told them to let the weeds grow with the wheat, he was putting both weeds and wheat on equal footing. I mean, think about it. They're both gonna get the exact same treatment. The weeds would get the same nurturing and care as the wheat did. The weeds are gonna get the same sunlight, the same irrigation. They're gonna get the benefits of the same fertilization. But if weeds are bad, it doesn't seem fair that they get the same benefits as wheat, does it? I mean, I'm wheat. I waited for my birthday. I did my homework. I stood in line. Those people are the weeds. They're the people who blow out other people's candles and and let other people do their homework and cut in line at Starbucks. They're the ones who should be weeded out, they shouldn't be rewarded. But the problem is, is that everyone thinks they're wheat. I mean, no one thinks they're a weed. And when you think you're wheat, it becomes easy to judge everyone else as a weed and to treat them like one. Which is why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse one through two. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Wheat and weeds are treated the same in the kingdom of God, which is why Jesus gave us the simple, easy to understand command to treat others the way we want to be treated, regardless of what they are, what they believe, or how they live. Now it's weird, because what Jesus is saying is not very evangelical. Because in, in the modern church, we've gotten so comfortable building access to the kingdom of god around a person's perceived worthiness if you agree with and follow you know this list of doctrines then you can have a seat at the table and if not we're going to pull you like a weed because this field is for wheat and that religious mindset that existed it was around when jesus told this story because the religious jews of jesus's day they thought they could achieve holiness by separating themselves from everyone and everything that was impure. But that's not Jesus' way. See, in the kingdom, wheat and weeds are treated the same. Whether you, you are wheat and I'm a weed or vice versa, it's not our place to judge. We just love others. Which leads us to our second takeaway. In the kingdom, only Jesus gets to judge. The reason we don't get to judge others is because that's exclusively his job, not ours. Look at how James wrote it in James 4.12. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Again, this isn't a very evangelical sentiment of Jesus because many in the religion that's been organized around him have become experts in making judgments about others. But the fact is, we don't have the right to do that. That's his responsibility. And the judgment of Jesus, I mean, it is good news, because the world is broken. Evil is real, and people do evil things. And justice must be at the heart of God's kingdom because evil has to be confronted along with those people who've given their lives to profiting from it and bringing devastation to other people's lives as a result. But that judgment is Jesus's job, not ours. We don't get to decide who gets to be in the field and who doesn't. All we get to do is grow in the field and do everything in our power to be wheat. Which actually brings us to our final takeaway. In the kingdom, delayed judgment allows people to change. Why does justice seem to take so long in the kingdom of God? I mean, you'd think that he would be even more active in weeding out the evil from among us so that we could all be pure and holy, right? But that's not how his kingdom works. And here's why. Look at what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You may think you can condemn such people. But you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in his justice, will punish anyone who does such things. And since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? And get this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Get this, God's kindness, His patience in delaying judgment, is not because He doesn't care about justice. It's because his goal is for people to turn from their sin to him and be restored. Which means at the heart of all this, that there's room for change. Weeds can become wheat. The harvest time is coming, the time when Jesus will judge. But until then, in his kindness, he wants to give us as much time and space as possible so that we can turn to him for weeds to become wheat. The fact of the matter is, That if Jesus started pulling weeds early and often, none of us would make it. Because we've all violated the standard of God's justice in one way or another. But God, in his patience, he withholds judgment to give us time to become wheat. And then he calls us to give other weeds the exact same opportunity. Do you notice that the farmer didn't pull up the weeds? Because he said that it would have also harmed the wheat. It's almost as if Jesus thought that the real danger to people in his kingdom was becoming judgmental and excluding others. As kingdom people, we can fully expect that right and wrong, truth and falsehood, virtue and vice, that these things will exist and even intermingle until Jesus returns and that it's not for human governments or religious institutions to root out and destroy what we might view as displeasing to God. Jesus makes the judgment calls about other people, not us. And His kingdom people, as His kingdom people, our role is to seek the same nourishment and growth of those around us that we seek for ourselves. And we don't need moral clarity about whether someone is wheat or a weed to do that. So, may we as followers of Jesus put aside the desire to weed out the church. We aren't qualified to tell the difference between wheat and weeds anyway, especially when we know that the patience and love of God allows one to become the other. May we remember that in the kingdom, wheat and weeds are treated the same, that only Jesus gets to judge, and that His delayed judgment actually allows people to change. And as we live this out, may his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.